0: is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to a special Q&A edition of the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Sig Sauer. All right. So before I get to those questions and answers that uh, uh, Ironclad picked out from, I think, Instagram and Twitter, um, before I get to those, and I just gave them a quick scan right here so I didn't formulate any, uh, you know, long Written out answers or anything like that. Uh, I want to talk about a couple books because Father's Day is coming up. I have a Father's Day gear guide that I've done for the fa- past few years, and it's coming out again. You can find that on the blog section of my website, and you can sign up for my newsletter there as well so you don't miss any. Uh, every month I do six, usually six books. Uh, I select them as part of a reading list and talk about where I was when I read them, how they impacted me, either as an author or a combat leader. And this one, this will be some Father's Day edition right here. So uh, Once an Eagle by Anton Meyer. This is probably my most recommended um, book. It's also my most gifted book. I used to give this to uh, my junior officers, to chiefs, to uh, people that I thought um, uh, would appreciate it in the SEAL teams. And really, this is historical fiction, but it follows two guys from pre-World War I up to Vietnam. But really, it's a case study leadership and uh, this one is pretty beat up i have all these uh notes here about different page numbers and and all that sort of thing and things are underlined uh throughout this whole book here but uh what i do when i gifted this to my junior officers is i would write a letter that would go in the front and in that letter it would just set the tone for what they were about to read why i was giving them this gift then at the end at the back there'd be another letter and that one would be sealed. And in order to open that one, they had to get through. The deal was they had to get through this entire book. As you can tell, it's pretty thick. You can use it as a as a weapon or a, a doorstop or, or something if you need to. But uh, they had to get through this entire book in order to get my take on what they just read because I didn't want to uh, influence their reading uh, experience beforehand. So uh, I set the tone with the letter in the front. And then when they got to the back, they could get my take on it. So uh, Once an Eagle, Anton Meyer, great Father's Day gift if your dad has not read them or if you're a dad and, uh, and want to give one of your kids a gift. This is a great one to read in junior high, high school, uh, college. It's good to revisit this book at, uh, at multiple times throughout one's life, I think. So, Once an Eagle, Anton Meyer, right there. The Gun, CJ Shivers right there. Uh, Semper Fire, written by a Marine. And this one, it's not just about the AK, as you might think if you just saw the cover. Really, it's a history of... Um, Weapons, uh, firearms, uh, and written like a novel. So it's absolutely incredible. I love this. I mean, this book. I see, visit this one time and time again. I did for the Devil's Hand, where there's a passage about a specific Kalashnikov that really tells a story um, about uh, about that particular weapon. is like almost a character in the book uh, and how James Reese, the protagonist, the main character, uses it. So uh, The Gun, highly recommended, reads like a novel, but you get a history of modern firearms in here. It's absolutely fantastic. All right, Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged. So this one right here, once again, it's one of those books that you need to revisit multiple times throughout your life. I think uh, if you can give this to your kids in junior high, high school for sure, definitely college. Um, hopefully read it, maybe junior high, high school and college, but, uh, you can read about this. I've talked about it many times in the past. It's on my first, uh, reading list, uh, as is, uh, as is once an Eagle right there, but, uh, Atlas shrugged, uh, Ayn Rand, absolutely, uh, mandatory reading for everyone. And probably today it, uh, will be more impactful. Um, well, I shouldn't say that it's a, viewed in light of what's going on today, uh, it will be particularly illuminating. I think that's probably the best way to put it. So Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, fantastic, amazing life story. Also um, for the author, you should check that out as well. All right. The Winds of War, more historical fiction right here. Herman Woke, of course, wrote uh, uh, The Cain Mutiny um, and War in Remembrance, which is the follow-on to The Winds of War. This takes you up to World War II through the eyes of a family. And then the War and Remembrance takes you through World War II. So uh, Winds of War, once again, great for middle school, for high school, for college, for sure. Uh, and if you haven't read it, definitely do so. All right, One Second After. Man, this is a great book. Um, and you can get through this one pretty quick. It's, uh, man, it's, this thing's moving. It's, uh, it's timely. Uh, especially after the 2020, uh, if you didn't, if you felt like you weren't a little weren't prepared for what 2020 threw at you, um, well, read this. It'll just reinforce it. Uh, but one second after, definitely read this one as well. And then three felonies a day. So I've talked about this multiple times, but uh, really, this book's about an average person who gets up, goes to work, comes home, tucks the kids in for bed, and goes to sleep. And in the course of that day, has committed three felon felonies unbeknownst to them because there are so many laws on the books and they're written so broadly, uh, in that they can really be targeted. Uh, Stalin's chief of the secret police famously said, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. And that's what this book is all about. So mandatory as well. So if you read these, Hey, this is not a, a bad run. If you're going to read six books this year, these are, uh, these are good ones right here. Okay. Let's get to some of those questions, those Q&A questions. So once again, Ironclad picked these from, I think, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, maybe Facebook. But let's go through a couple of these. It says, uh, and I won't read the names yet. Maybe in the future I will. I haven't really thought that that through, whether they're uh, a handle or they're the real name here from Twitter and Instagram. But here's one. It says, hey, Jack. Can you share how Chris Pratt and company trained for their roles? Who put them through their pistol, carbine, rifle, paces? Are you and others on set to make sure what is captured is authentic and compelling? Um, So yeah, so having 2020 being the year, of course, of COVID and travel restrictions and and all the rest of it, um, that was tougher to do. So I think in a different year, maybe they would have done more pre-type training. Um, But uh, in this case, a lot of it was on-the-job training. And luckily, Chris has a solid foundation. Um, with weapons. I mean, he's a solid dude. So, uh, And in that first episode, uh, just like in the novel, there are SEALs on set and there are SEALs that are, that are actors, uh, SEALs playing SEALs. There are SEALs that are technical advisors, that are stunt coordinators. So there are a lot of, of uh, SEALs on on set. So um, uh, and it's particularly uh, Jared Shaw, who is uh a dear buddy of mine. He's the reason this whole Thing is being made, why the terminal list is coming to Amazon, because he handed the book, a rough draft, really, of the book, a galley copy to Chris and said, here's your next project. And uh, we knew each other in the SEAL teams and uh, just a fantastic guy. And he tried out and got a role in the series and is crushing it. It's incredible. Um, I've seen the first episode already. I think I'm watching the second episode tonight, um, pre-edits, but I am just so blown away um, with uh, with his acting ability. And it's awesome having him there on set because he can fix, you know, those little things here, those little tactic things here and there when you're not surrounded by seals for maybe a scene or something like that, a particular scene. Um, well, Jared's there, to uh, To give his input and to to make sure that things stay stay on track from a from a tactical team guy perspective, so that's that's amazing. Uh, Raymond Doza is on set as well all the time from War Office Productions. Uh, another good friend from the SEAL teams, uh, awesome dude. Uh, you might remember him from Act of Valor. He was one of the SEALs in that, and he's been doing the technical advising in Hollywood um, pretty much ever since. Really, um, he did the technical advising for Lone Survivor, uh, where he worked with Taylor Kitsch, who's now also in the terminal list. So so Ray's there every day. Jared is there every day. When we have the other SEAL specific parts, those guys are there. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to be on set. It was like a reunion. It's like a SEAL reunion on set for that uh, that first episode. So that was so fun to be there and uh, and so cool to to be involved in it and see it come to fruition. So hey, that's that one. Let's see what makes your book unique is the awesome detail in regards to gear. Will that somehow transfer to the series? Yes. And I didn't know if that was going to be the case because when you option something in Hollywood, I think everybody has a different story about how a different project gets made. Um, but, uh, in this case, gear is an important part of the story. I use gear as character development tools because when I see somebody, uh, I see what they're, if they're carrying a 1911 and a leather holster and a leather belt, it's cocked and locked or it's, uh, that tells me something about them rather seeing a uh, strike fire pistol kydex holster nylon belt you know that that tells me something different about somebody so the gear is an important part of the novels and they've been really interested in that on uh, on the hollywood side of the house as we started as we kick this whole thing off with the screenwriting process and getting the scripts ready and all that gear has played an important part in uh, just like it does in in the novels and they've been uh, yeah they want to get it right so it's really cool to uh, To see all that and see things get incorporated in, whether it's a uh, you know it's black raffle coffee or it's uh, it's a certain pistol or it's a certain vehicle or whatever it is, uh, it's really cool to see all these things incorporated into the script and now incorporated into the filming. So it's uh, it's super cool for me to see that. Let's see next one. What has been the most difficult and most exciting part about seeing your work brought to the screen? You know, I have not had to do that the heavy lifting. I think the difficult part. Um, and it wasn't necessarily for me, but I would say in general, the difficult part of seeing something that you create adapted is letting go of it. And uh, that's why trust is so important, because when you hand something that you create over to somebody in Hollywood, you're trusting them to take it and run with it. Um, and in in this case, I got so lucky that, uh, that Chris Pratt is that person, that Antoine Fuqua is that person, and uh, that they are taking this and developing it to tell the story through a visual medium, through an eight-part series. So uh, so I knew that going in because I've been a student of this for my entire life. I've been a reader my entire life, which means that I noticed and I took notes when uh, different books were adapted to television or movies uh, throughout my entire life. So the book First Blood by David Morrell, which came out in 1972, is much different than the movie First Blood with Sylvester Stallone. Both awesome, but very different. Uh, so I know that when you're telling a story through that visual medium, that it's going to be different. And, uh, and that's okay. Uh, what I wanted was to stay true to the themes of the novels, to have that, that grittiness, that authenticity, that realism, that primal violence. Um, and that's what Chris and Antoine want as well. So, um, so it really wasn't difficult for me to hand that over just because because uh, I know Chris and uh, Antoine is the only director uh, that I wanted to, to trust with it. And uh, and now I know him and he is just uh, out of this world, incredible guy. So to have those two uh, taking on this project, I trust them implicitly. And it's so cool to see where it is, where it is now. So it's, uh, it's just exciting. The whole thing's exciting to me. All right, here we go. How true to the book is the show? And what's it been like working with Chris Pratt? Always seemed like the coolest guy. He is. He's a normal dude. Um, And he is a guy's guy and uh, just a normal guy you'd want to sit down and have coffee with, which for me was important because my character in the novels, I wanted to create him, James Reese, as somebody that you'd want to, as a reader, sit down and have a beer with, sit down and have coffee with hang out with, but also somebody who can flip the switch and get it done when, uh, when it comes time to do the business. So, um, so Chris is amazing. Just cannot say enough good things about him. And to see him bring James Reeves to life, he has exceeded expectations on all fronts. Like I had high expectations, uh, very high expectations and he has exceeded each and every one of them. I just could not be more pleased with how, how things are going. So super cool. And how true is it to the, uh, the book? Um, so there will be differences. For sure uh, and you have to go into it knowing that that's going to happen as an author and then as a viewer also you have to go into it uh, knowing that when you turn it on it's there's gonna be differences and that and that's okay um, but because uh, you're telling a story in a different way and in this case there's uh, the element that's been introduced that I really love is that instead of a straight up political thriller straight up action movie it is a psychological thriller and I think I'll leave it at that, but I could not be more pleased about that. Taking that tact with it, uh, I think it works uh, in a way that um, that'll exceed the viewers' expectations as well. So, uh, so super cool. So I'm fired up. Let's see, Jack Carr is so detailed on the weaponry. How much detail was put into the weaponry in this series? A lot. Um, so luckily we have Gary tours out there, extreme props, and he's been doing this for a long time and we got some really cool weapons in there. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about all that stuff. Um, some things are different, uh, just because you know what you have access to, particularly when you're dealing with, uh, California gun laws, when you're making a, uh, making a film. And I learned a lot about that. It's been pretty interesting to just see how the ATF is involved with Hollywood prop houses. Um. That's been, I didn't really realize how that, uh, that played out, but there's some interesting rules there. Um, so just some things you can't get some things you can, something's going to be a little, a little different, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's, it's right on. And he goes above and beyond to try to get, uh, knives to get pistols, to get rifles, uh, everything that, uh, is weapon related, um, as close to the book as possible. So, um, uh, there's a couple really cool things in there that I don't think I, I think I'll let be a surprise and, uh, yeah, for when you read it. So, or when you watch it, so that'll be, that'll be pretty cool. But point being weaponry on point, let's see. And the last one, what scene are you most looking forward to see come to life? That one, I'm going to keep close hold as well. Um, but I bet you can guess what it is it's probably my one of my most frequently asked questions is about that chapter in the book and if they're going to do it in the series so i'll just keep it at that because you never know what's going to get edited out on the cutting room floor that's just so you never know so uh but i'll just leave it at that um uh and also the other question that i get asked uh other than that one is who's going to play Rafe hastings and that's classified all right cool thank you so much. That is awesome. I think we'll probably do a few more of these where I answer some listener questions in the future. We'll figure out a better way to uh, to get those and pull those from whether it's YouTube or whether it's uh, Instagram or Twitter or maybe all three. Uh, we'll figure figure that out, that out and, uh, and get that going here for future episodes if you like it. So if you like that, uh, let me know. Leave a five-star rating and review on wherever you watch your podcasts to help beat some of those big tech algorithms that might not necessarily uh, like some of the things that uh, we talk about here on Danger Close. So uh, thank you for joining me once again. Uh, This is an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. Thank you guys for crushing everything you do. And I'll see you next time on Danger Close. In case you missed it on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original. Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels. Mm. You know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What are box do you fit in? Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy or right, right. An ally. how Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And like, I've always been an independent minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.